I speak tonight for the dignity of man and the destiny of the man. Okay, we got a call coming in. We're going to take it now. See if this is our call. It might be a bill collector. Who knows? Hello. Hey, Tony. Adam Hunter. How are you? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. You got me okay? You can hear me fine? Yeah, perfect. Man, I'm so glad that uh, you took the time to call in with us. We were just talking about you. First off, you're on This American Podcast, Comedy Edition, on ComedySchoolsRadio.com. We want to tell people... uh, that you will be at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy tonight for two shows, Saturday for two shows, and I'm assuming Sunday for one show, correct? Yes, sir. All right, it, and, and we were just telling people what a great club it is and how this weekend, we think, is a really unique experience. We always uh, uh, advocate for that club and tell people when they go down there to just go into the building. Like, sometimes you walk in a building, go, oh, this is a cool building, we're going to have a good time here, you know, and uh, it's one of those clubs, you walk in and go, oh, this is going to be a fun place. And you combine that with you, your show this weekend, and I think it's the best show in the city by far. Oh, thanks, man. That really means a lot. Thank you so much. I was telling the, uh, the folks uh, uh, before you called in that I first saw you uh, 11, 12 years ago at uh, the Haha ha Comedy Cafe in its old location on Lancashire. And um, uh, Jack Asadorian is a friend of mine. I was doing some business there, doing some shows there. And uh, the first time I saw you was there, and I went, wow, this guy is funny. How can someone, the level of material and the level of energy and how you kept it going, you know, there were no lulls at all in what you were doing. And that's the first time that I saw you, and I met you then. I was looking at some of your recent videos, and not only has that not changed, it seems like it just gotten better and better. Oh, man, you guys are too kind. Yeah, I, I try to, you know, I'm a big boxing fan, and my favorite boxes are Mexican boxes. You just throw 10,000 punches around. <laughs> so I, I try to base my comedy on Mexican boxes. <laughs> you know, now that you say that, it, it's absolutely, absolutely clear. Uh, what I like about, what I love about what you do, I mean, I like, all you know, uh, so many different forms. But I don't, you know, I've, I've tried to describe your comedy to people where they're... A lot of times when I'm talking to younger comics or comics that are starting out and they go, well, I don't want to tell jokes, I want to tell stories. They go, well, it's not called a story club. And uh, that you fire off a series of one-liners, and I mean hundreds of one-liners, but it doesn't sound jokey. It just sounds funny. If you understand what I'm talking about, you've probably ran into this in conversation before. People say they don't like jokes. Yeah, they yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm just not really, you know... Simple people are into, are into stories and they're really good at it, and that's, that's great. You know, I, I just I have like ADHD and I, I just get bored with my own stories. You know, I, I just try to do as many laughs per minute, you know, as I possibly can, but make it authentic. You know, like really have it come from me. You know, so it's not like I'm like uh, doing joke jokes where you know I'm disconnected to the to the uh, material. You know, it's all my material, so that's that's why. You know. Would you agree with me? I, I've talked to people about why uh, uh, this industry, our industry, uh, however you want to describe it, still functions. When when I can pull up, I can pull up Charlie Chaplin and I can pull up Dave Chappelle on my phone. You know, as we speak, I can watch the best of the best. 
yet still people come out to clubs and and see stand-up comics and i go it's the only place where there's a unique thing that can take place is that you can laugh hard a lot you can watch a sitcom for a half hour it can be very funny you'll laugh five six times tops a movie eight nine times if they're very funny but in a comedy club there's a reasonable expectation that from the moment you sit down to the time you leave you will laugh so hard that your body will hurt and you'll like that and i think that's one of the things that uh people don't seem to understand that you either understand or it's just you know inbred in you that man these people want to laugh really hard and that seems to be your goal yeah, I mean, that's like, to, to me, that's the greatest feeling in the world is seeing, is making people cry with laughter. You know, <laughs> you see someone tearing with laughter. <laughs> it, it's just, there's, there's no better feeling, you know. And then, I, and then, I, and then I'll end up telling the guy if it's a girl I made laugh. Like, see, I, I, I made your girl wet, you know. <laughs> but that's really what, um, that's to me, like, my that's my favorite thing to do. Or when you when you get a snort, someone laughs and you hear them snort, you know. Yeah. Uh, that that's always a good, uh, you know. It's almost like you should get points for that, you know. Like if it was a video game, or if they fall out of their or, chair, or you, or you got a tear. Yeah, black people are the most. You make fun of a black person, they get up and run around the room, and, and that's <laughs> that's the best. That's just the best. You know, I've, I've told people this is the only job where you can cause people to lose control of their bodily functions, and they'll thank you. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Or, or like people like they're like you know they tell me I, I you know I laugh so hard I like pee yeah you know that's just it's just great it's just, that's just you know to me that's like the goal and then you know growing up I watched comics like you know Tim Norton and David Tell and 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 they would just murder the rooms I mean they were going to these rooms and just it was just it was a murder it was a fucking crime scene and and, and that's what I I'm, I'm always I'm always trying to get there. I uh, I saw Norton at the Comedy Store, I don't know how many years ago. Once I was down there to uh, 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 meet someone, I was doing business there, and I went in, and I didn't know who Jim Norton was, you know, and he was on stage, and just this kind of bald guy with this look on his face like someone's going to hit me any moment. That's kind of like the look he has on his face, like I'm going to get smacked, aren't I? And he was doing a joke yeah. about uh, picking up a, a, a prostitute on Sunset Boulevard, and it turned out to be a male prostitute, and how huge its uh, um, clitoris was. Go, man, this is the biggest one I've ever come across. And it was just, I, all of a sudden, I'm going, God, this guy is funny. Who is this guy? Yeah, yeah. I know, and, it, and it, it's like all true, too. So you, so your influences, were your influences, Adam, were, were they were they Attell, and were they Norton, and was it that generation, or was it a previous generation? Yeah, I mean, the yeah, those are the guys that I used to watch when I was first started comedy. I'd go to the Comedy Cellar and I'd watch Colin Quinn and Russ Neve and T. Corielli and Tim Norton and, uh, you know, Colin Quinn and, and, and all these, uh, and, and those guys, and they were just, they were just murderers. And they were just, they went up there and they just, they just killed. So one after another. You started out that you are from New York, so you're, would you call your, would you call yourself, some comics, they define themselves by, are you a New York comic or... Yeah, definitely a New York comic. So, and you started out. You started out in the city. You started out in Manhattan. Yeah, exactly. Did you? There used to be kind of a, a, a culture there that you would go to Jersey and make your money, then come back in the city and, and run around and do showcase shows all night. Was it like that when you started? Uh, yeah, a little bit. When I first started, um, I would do the you know these weird road gigs in Jersey or Staten Island or whatever. But you know, 
I had to give out flyers for like five years um, every day in the street. Oh, you were one of the guys that if you're walking around Manhattan, there's guys coming up going, hey, there's a show tonight at midnight. Yeah. Okay, sure, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I was a barker because, you know, you know they have, they have bringer shows in, in New York, and you, you quickly run, run out of friends and realize this is not the way to go. I'm not going to get anywhere here. And the open, open mics are just flooded. And, you know, you, you, get, you have some good comics, but you have a lot of homeless people. It's just crazy people. Um, so, you know, barking was really was the place to do it, and it was Times Square because all those tourists. So I remember like this woman Gladys was like, "You could, you could be on my show, but you have to give out flyers." And I was really good at giving out flyers. <laughs> I would get about thirty-five people in a night to just just myself. I was, it was like a competition because you would, you would initial the back of the flyer, and then they would count and see how many people you got in. And then I did that for three, four years and then I opened up my own room like across the street basically because uh, I felt like whatever it was some politics stuff So and then I kind of brought the comics with me and then I worked at Joe Franklin's and we uh, you know we, we were like we were doing two shows a night and I, I was really good because we would tell these tourists yeah there's comics from you know, Comedy Central and MTV and Jay Leno and Letterman, and then they would come and they'd be like, wait, that's the guy that gave me the flyer. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> and they would get kind of angry, but at that point, you're like, whatever. Uh, but I, I, I was really good at it, and I was single at the time, and there was always girls there, and uh, I would always have heavy after party at my place. You know, it was just, it was just fun times. You know, I, I've told you start out and uh, you have no money and you're broke, but you still usually if you have no money, you're broke and you go to a club. You're just some loser at a club. If you if you even if you can pay the cover, it's a cover place, and you can afford like you know one you know one well drink, you know, and you're not going to meet anyone or talk to anyone. But as a comic, when you're doing a show, you could be you could be broke. That's one of the great things about being a comic. You're starting out. You can go to a nightclub and you're being paid to be in there where you can meet people and meet women. Yeah, I, I always tell new comics like you get, you're gonna get paid in pussy for <laughs> years, you know, because you're gonna bang chicks way out of your league. You're gonna have like threesomes. You're gonna have this because you're gonna be able to, you know, you're gonna get the attention of women that would never talk to you. You know, you go up to a, I, I used to as even as an experiment go up to girls before the club who you know it's a comic. Hey, how's it going? And they're like, oh, you know, back off or whatever, or leave me alone. And then I go on stage and then they, like you make them laugh and they're like, oh my god, I know you're the comic and. And then, and then all of a sudden, they, you know, they want to talk to you afterwards. This is, this is crazy, you know. But uh, that's one of the good things about comedy is, is, is the women, if you're single. But me, I'm, I just got engaged recently, so. Yeah, so that's so that's over now. Now you've you've had your La Dolce Vita, and now you've you realize that there's yeah. more important things in life, and that's your story, and you're sticking exactly. to it. End quote. Absolutely. <laughs> People, I've had young comics ask me if they meet a lot of women on the road, and they go. Yeah, I go, it's kind of like being the bass player in the opening band, you know. Um, you can, but uh, uh, sometimes, sometimes, did you ever encounter this? You know, you're on the road, you do a show, someone comes up and talks to you after the show, but usually it's the strange, after listening, have you ever, has it ever occurred to you that after listening to what you have to say, if someone's sexually attracted to you, that they might be a problem? Have you ever encountered that type of woman? Sometimes I'm like, wow, but a lot of times, like, yeah, of course. But a lot of times, like, women like you for different reasons because they know that you're not going to be in town tomorrow. Yeah. You know, so, like, they don't have to feel guilty of, like, seeing you every week as, like, a lot of bad thing. 
you know, so it's sort of like they're just kind of like, you're like playing kind of role in their, in their fantasy of just, you know, not having to like deal with you. Um, or sometimes you get, you know, girls, like they're crazy, yeah, like they're crazy, like they're trying out jokes on you. <laughs> they, they think they're funny. And, and they're like, oh, what? You know, that might be a good title for a book. Insane Women I've Met on the Road. Which is a very exactly. simple... And I, remember, I mean, there's one chick literally who was like, I go back to a place and she's like, there's like a remote control. And I'm like, what's that for? She's like, my asshole. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, my rectum fell out. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I was a gymnast. And something happened where like, she really had like a remote control anus. I swear to God in my life. I, 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 I wouldn't believe it until I actually felt like battery in her like upper uh, back kind of thing and uh i was like wow that's crazy you know can i watch tv while having sex with you know, like, you know, open the garage door but yeah but yeah i mean like that was insane never, i never had a girl who had like a, like a loose anus but remote control i've heard a lot of phrases in my life i've ever heard this is the first for me, and I, I want to thank you for it. Remote, <laughs> remote control, asshole. I, I've heard all kinds. I lived in Hollywood and West Hollywood for, for decades, and I, I heard and saw everything, but I've never heard that phrase. So you can always learn new things. I want to talk to you a little bit about um, someone who does what you do. Like some guys, you know, they're going to write these big chunks of uh, uh, things, you know, story jokes, which I think are cool and which are great, and which I, when I was touring, I certainly had that type of material. But for someone like you, the output has to be massive and also because i have met you before and we did talk a couple times briefly and i've watched you several times and i go this guy must write every day and i got to be honest with you the few times that i saw you i never heard a bad joke i never went well that one's now in your mind's eye you might have thought that's not a good joke but i'm watching you go i never heard a weak joke i heard a joke i go he might not do that joke again that might not be his you know but i watched you before just fire him off for like 20 minutes non-stop you must write every day what is that process for you or do you write every day yeah i try to write every day it's hard sometimes like you know when i was just doing comedy it was easier to write every day and then like i sold a tv show recently so i started working on that and i started working for the ufc writing jokes for them and now i'm working for bellator and then you know writing other scripts you know writing a script so that's when it gets sometimes hard yeah like, okay i have to write jokes for an hour i can't just write my movie for an hour or this or that but then you know so that's that's when it gets difficult uh i try to write every day um it's hard sometimes because you know like if i'm writing let's say seven jokes per minute you know versus like a story a, a 10 minute story you know yeah you know so it's hard sometimes to have new jokes where sometimes you're like i heard that joke before i'm like yeah but you know there's no way you heard like these 15 donald trump jokes last time he wasn't even running for president, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I'm always trying to keep new shit in there. Uh, and then it's hard also because for every 10 jokes you write, maybe three will work, you know? So that's seven times where the joke didn't work. Yeah. You know, uh, or seven jokes that didn't work. <laughs> well, I... I, I wrote a joke last, last go ahead. night where I wrote a joke. I go, you know, the thing I, I'm, the thing I miss about being single is seeing a girl naked for the first time, you know, like probably the one good thing about Alzheimer's <laughs> and, and that got that got like a weird laugh you know like yeah. words like it didn't it didn't bomb but it didn't kill 
so I gotta do that joke like five or six more times before I give up on it. You know, yeah. Or before I keep it. So that's a, also the thing. It's like you you can't do a joke once and be like, oh, it didn't work. You know, some of my best jokes I've ever did that didn't work the first time. Got to keep doing them. So I was talking with them. Um, want to really give up on jokes? Who no, are you talking with? I was talking with. Uh, I don't know if you know who Argus Hamilton is. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, Argus is, is an old friend of mine from, from a long time ago. And we were talking about jokes one time. You know, J- Argus is a guy who just high output, you know, writes every day, you know, uh, uh, and it has for decades. And uh, we both talked about the thing that drove us both crazy was that joke that you tell one time and it kills. People laugh over like 30 seconds, you know. I mean, they just laugh and then the laugh doubles and laugh doubles. And then it never gets a laugh again. And you can't yeah, figure out why. Have yeah. you experienced that with some of your material? Absolutely. You know, a lot of times that they're writing, you know, they're laughing the first time because it's so raw. It's also because it's so coming from you. And maybe the rhythm is different. And then a lot of times you, yeah, that, that happens a lot. Or sometimes you'll do like three three shows a night and the joke will kill on the 8 o'clock show and bomb at the 10 o'clock show and then do okay at the midnight show, you know? It's just, it's just weird. A lot of times it's not even the way you tell it, it's just the crowd that you're telling it to or, you know, what's before it. I always get really excited about my new jokes, so there are times that I, I, like, rush through my old jokes just to get to the new joke, you know? And you're not really giving your old jokes a fair chance to, to kind of to win. So, I mean, there's so much behind that. And uh, Do you think in joke? So, and do you, you understand, I, I know you understand what I mean, but do you think, like, some people... You know, they think in a certain way. When they hear things, that's the filter they go through. Do you think in joke all the time and then actually have to step back from thinking in joke to talk with normal people and do normal things? If I'm writing a lot. Yeah. If I'm writing, if I'm in like a lot of heavy writing, yeah, that. Or if I'm talking to comics. Like if, like if I'm with my comic friends, we have way different language than regular. You know? Yeah. Because I, I could also say things around them that people would get really offended or might get offended too. You know, whereas, like, comics are just sick and twisted people. Uh, so it's easier to kind of, like, you know, it's a, something, some kind of tragedy happen. You know, like, I could, I could tell my comic friends, and they'll laugh. Like, sure. Uh, you know. Well, I, I, what I, you know, it, it, we're easy to attack sometimes, I believe, because comics are easy to attack because it's, it's pseudo power. You know, we're on stage, our voices are amplified, people are listening to us. It's not like we have any real power. It's not like we can walk off stage and go, fire them, shut down this factory, put those people in jail. But it appears like power. And then, so that makes us easier to attack because our, our only, only thing to do back at someone is, you know, you can't necessarily sue them or fire them, is tell another joke about them. So, we're easily attacked, and I think a lot of people, they understand, but don't want to understand that a lot of times the way to deal with tragedy, pain, laughter is a way of dealing with pain. It's a way of dealing with horrible stuff. Did you have a horrible childhood? Yeah. That's my question. Tell us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, um, sometimes, like, uh, comedy is the best way to, to deal with things. And, yeah, you know, like, my mother left me when I was three, went to a mental hospital, I never saw her since, uh, and then I was kind of like, yeah, I, I don't think I had terrible childhood, but um, I definitely had a lot of had a lot of anger issues and you know, people abandonment issues, and I kind of found the sport the sport of wrestling really helped me out a lot because I was able to kind of put my 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 effort into that. And then when I stopped wrestling, 
I kind of found stand-up comedy as a way to like uh, as a coping and it, it, it definitely is like therapy to me 100% therapy you know, I gotta, I gotta tell you, Adam, that the first couple times I saw you, is I was sitting in the back of the room watching, you know, and, and I love watching comics, and and I go, this guy, it would, it doesn't make much difference to him if he's gonna make you laugh. He'll either fight you or make you laugh. That was the vibe I was getting <laughs> from the stage. I thought this guy go, all right, you wanna, you wanna laugh? Let's fight. You know, like it's something to do. And uh, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't realize, I didn't know until this point that you had been uh, a wrestler when you were younger. So the. Um, uh, I kind of understand that now. That's very cool. You know, it's cool that you found this way to cope with things, and, and then what you do allows people to cope with it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, man, um, uh, I know you got two shows tonight, and uh, we appreciate you, you know, uh, taking the time out. I know that, you know, you've ran around to some other uh, some other uh, uh, shows and stuff this morning. And um, tell Mandy, if, when you see Mandy tonight at the club, that I've got this horrible feeling that i the last time that she was in here with a comic uh i made i told her i didn't like the chicago cubs and i didn't realize how much she because i'm I'm from st louis so i can't really love the chicago cubs i grew up watching the cardinals you know and getting in getting in fights in in the stands when i was drunk with cubs uh cubs fans when chicago would play in in st louis but tell her that i was just kidding we actually love chicago and she could please come back to the studio (laughs) if she'll forgive me all right, Adam Hunter. Adam Hunter, man, thank you so much. Uh, uh, it's a great, great segment, and I know that people are gonna, uh, people who have listened, love it, and uh, people are gonna be downloaded will love it as well. You are at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy tonight. Two shows tonight. Two shows tomorrow. One show Sunday. Easy to get. Find tickets. Go to houseofcomedy.net. Houseofcomedy.net, or hit me, Tony Visick, up on my Facebook page, and I can probably hook you up with a couple of tickets for one of the shows. Adam, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Well, that was, um, um, you know, um, you know, there's so many different types of interviews you get to do when you're doing a show like this. I mean, you can do sh- interviews where it's just, you know, pure entertainment, almost like a, a morning zoo type thing. Or you can do uh, interviews uh, um, where this type of interview, where it's it's almost more of an interview about process and the person, you know. I mean, he didn't, we didn't, we didn't ask him to. Uh, nor did he like you know fire out a bunch of jokes like oh, here here's something funny here's something funny but I'm gonna tell you I've seen few people uh, few people especially in the last several years who can fire out as many jokes as he does and it never sounds jokey it's kind of like this you know like a lot of people don't like fish because they say it smells fishy but a good piece of fish doesn't smell fishy it's just delicious you know he does seven jokes a minute. And it never seems jokey, you know. And there's, and it's funny that I found out that he was a wrestler and went there because there was a certain amount of aggression that I saw on the stage. It wasn't like you know, this guy's, you know, going to hurt someone, but there was an aggression in what he did and the way that he fired it out that he gave it kind of that gave it that pop, gave it that sizzle. And I think that's the difference. There's some guys that stand there and just tell joke after joke after joke, and there's nothing underneath. There's nothing. Uh, uh, Hold this. So, um, you know, some guys are just up there telling joke after joke. And they're funny jokes, but there's nothing underneath it. There's no personality underneath it. There's no sizzle. They're not even really present. They're hoping that the joke will just carry it. But with him, man, there's like a, uh, there's like a sizzle and a, and a good, you know, an entertainment aggression going on. So, um, yeah, 
Yeah, so that was a great interview. Great, great interview. You know what I want to do now is I want to take a brief break. When we uh, after the break, come back. We're gonna when we come back from this break on the other side of this song. You're listening to this American podcast, Comedy Edition, ComedySchoolsRadio.com. 